0: Well, good evening, and welcome to Carmelite Conversations on Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. Francis, how are you, and uh, happy Easter?
1: Thank you very much. I feel very blessed, and I hope you are, too. Am I right?
0: Oh, I am certainly blessed. We have had just the most remarkable weather uh, here the last few days, haven't we? Praise God.
1: Thank you, God. Easter
0: was fantastic. Easter Sunday, of course, beautiful A day and uh, today has certainly started the Easter season very well. Another beautiful day. We can only hope it continues.
1: Yes. We have an old, uh, theory in our hometown in Illinois that, you know, if it rains on Palm Sunday, it'll be sunny on Easter and vice versa. Well, this was the first year in many years that I can remember it was sunny on both days, Palm Sunday and Easter. So what a gift, Yeah, uh, among many other extraordinary (laughs) gifts, of course.
0: (laughs) Well, maybe the Lord's telling us to prepare for something. What do you think?
1: I think so. I think we always better prepare. (laughs) I
0: think so. Well, uh, for our listeners, we've been mentioning this now for a couple of weeks, and, um, Francis, we've been a little spotty. Um, Both of us have had some travel commitments and whatnot, but uh, in terms of the uh, scheduling of the program, we have been talking about... Uh, doing a series on a very um, uh, let 's say quiet uh, Carmelite devotion, I say quiet because it 's perhaps not as well known as so many of the other Carmelite devotions um, that we are familiar with and that we have spent some time talking about. but this is the devotion to the holy face it 's certainly well known I will argue actually it 's very well known as a devotion. Uh, But it's not well known that its history is actually as a Carmelite devotion.
1: Yes, I I think you're absolutely right. And so tonight we're going to talk about Sister Mary of St. Peter, who was uh, born in the 1800s. Um, Let's see if I can get her dates here, just to put her in historical perspective. 1816 to 1848. So before Mm -hmm. the Little Flower, for all of you who know St. Therese, the Little Flower.
0: right. And she was born in uh, in Tours, France. She entered the Carmel there. No, she oh. wasn't
1: born in Tours. No, she, that's right. That's she where was she was the, Carmel. the Carmelite, that's right. though. Right. She was in the Carmel in Tours, but um, I don't remember the place she was born.
0: I was gonna I was gonna throw that question back at you, but I decided I wouldn't do that. <laughs>
1: I have to shuffle papers for that yeah. one.
0: <laughs> well, so she enters the Carmel in Tours, and we're going to talk a little bit about her um, tonight, but really. Um, we see a, a few weeks on this particular devotion because what was interesting, Francis, as we began our research, is to discover that this devotion, though uh, really it begins with the veil, uh, Veronica's veil, doesn't it? That's yes. where this thing really begins. And we're going to talk about that. We want to begin with prayer, obviously, but we're going to talk about uh, a whole series of Uh, the um, reinstitution by Christ and by the Blessed Mother of this devotion to the Holy Face. And we want to talk about that in its historical context. But let's begin our uh, uh, program this uh, evening, as we do each week, uh, with prayer. And this week I'm going to ask, Francis, if you would read the Golden Arrow Prayer Uh, which we will explain later but would you lead us in that
1: it does come from a book by that same title the Golden Arrow about the revelations of sister Mary of St. Peter from our Lord in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit amen. amen may the most holy most sacred most adorable most incomprehensible and unutterable name of God be always praised blessed Loved, adored, and glorified in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, by all the creatures of God, and by the sacred heart of our Lord Jesus Christ in the most holy sacrami- uh, sacrament of the altar. Amen.
0: Amen. Well, I, I have to admit, I was cheating. I was flipping pages while you were praying, but uh, I was praying along with you. She was born in Reims, France, um, in 1816. Thank you. So we. We uh, have uh, resolved that particular <laughs> uh, issue. But her, uh, her of course, uh, most significant uh, events were in the uh, Carmel in Tours. This is, again, St. Mary, Sister Mary of St. Peter, um, who we attribute the devotion to the Holy Face, uh, 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 first being shared by Christ. But as I said a moment ago, this devotion actually goes back, and let's trace a little bit of the history. It goes back to the... Uh, the charitable acts of Veronica, who of course applied the linen to christ 's face as he was walking uh, out of the city with the um, with the cross carrying the cross, his face marred by blood and sweat and spittle, unfortunately, uh, scars and so forth uh, from the bruises that he had received in the scourging, and she applies that and, and um, as scripture tells us, the imprint of his face was left on that veil, uh, on that veil, and that is um, where this recognition of the significance of the face of Christ begins.
1: And the, and the name Veronica means true image, so how about that? Yeah,
0: interesting connection, right? And, and how appropriate for um, the Lord gifting us with this particular devotion at that time. And, of course, this veil has been recreated in many uh, sort of variations throughout history. Many people have acknowledged uh, um, the um, the imprint of Christ's face, along with the uh, the um, crown of thorns, and, and what we anticipate or, or believe were the the marks of the of the abuse that he had received uh, prior to his uh, hoisting the cross and beginning his long and painful march up Calvary, uh, and that was what was ultimately reflected on that veil. And when our Lord uh, then approaches uh, Sister Mary of St. Peter in Carmel in tours in the 1840s, now Mm -hmm. roughly this is in the 1840s, we won't say much about the political backdrop. I'd like to actually leave that for next week and spend most of this week talking about the significance of the devotion itself. But um, suffice to say, things were... Um, in a state of uh, chaos uh, in France, and most especially for the church. And our Lord um, visited Sister Mary of St. Peter to give her this devotion. And he attributes, Francis, I'm going to ask you, if you could, to um, turn to our text here, which you've just quoted a moment ago, page 113. Our Lord talks about the need to redeem The Sin of Blasphemy, and we're going to say a few words about blasphemy, but our Lord shares with Sister Mary of St. Peter the significance of this sin. And the reason I want to emphasize this for our listeners is this devotion comes back in the church at least four times. Now, it's introduced, as I said, with Veronica It is revived, if you will, with Sister Mary St. Peter.
1: But I have to insert here that there was a Mother Adelaide of Portiers, France, and I probably butchered that name, uh, who also was a Carmelite. And it was, uh, she died in July of 1843. And she had something to do with this. uh, And there was a bishop there that Saw her as a very holy Carmelite, and so he tells um, Sister Mary of Saint Peter, Saint
2: Peter right. a little
1: bit about her. And it was funny because a month later, after the death of this Mother Adelaide, mm-hmm. then Sister Mary gets the the word about doing this particular work of the Holy Face, right? Which was very interesting.
0: Yeah, and so the Carmelite connection, of course, which is important for us, um, it goes beyond that, of course, in um, in in future. Uh, revelations, which we'll talk about briefly. Um, we've mentioned the 1840s, we've mentioned a little bit the political trials in France, and we'll go into that more, I think, in, in a future program. The second uh, major revelation, of course, is to our own St. Therese.
1: The little flower. Uh, mm-hmm. The
0: little flower. And let's talk about Therese's name. Therese's well. name, of course, is?
1: Of the child Jesus and the, holy, and the face. holy face. And remember that picture of her? You can probably Google it and see it online where she's holding this holy card. And one mm-hmm. of them has a picture of the child Jesus. And the other one is of this holy face, right. uh, which is, is a shroud image.
0: Right, right. So, we're going to spend a fair amount of time in, in a future program talking about Therese's devotion to the Holy Face, because I think that's very significant. And I would like, Francis, as you've related in the past, this story about Therese, we'll just leave this out as sort of a you know, tickler for a future program um, in this series. But when Therese's face, in fact, at one instance, takes on the very image of Christ's face, do you remember that story? in uh, in someone's writing about Okay, I'm going to have to challenge oh. you to look it up then.
1: I think there's going to be a new car being offered for this. <laughs> <laughs>
0: we'll, we'll find uh, the details of that story.
1: Let's enter the contest.
0: <laughs> so 1840s, and again, uh, the, around the 1900s, early 1900s, uh, late 1800s, early 1900s, Therese of Lisieux uh, sort of reinvigorates this devotion to the Holy Face. And then again, in the mid-1940s, of course, the time of World War II and chaos, really, that reigned throughout the world, um, we have another woman who brings us the devotion to the Holy Face.
1: Well... I'm going to butcher her name, too. Sister <laughs> Maria Perina? Oh, I think De that's Ma- very good. De Michael? Michelle? Yeah. Or, or would that be Michael in American? Yeah, it would be Michael in American,
0: <laughs> right. Um, yes, she brought it back. Uh, the Lord, actually, of course, brought it back uh, through her in the uh, uh, early and then mid-1940s. She revives it. Now, she was an Italian nun, um, is um, a daughter of the Immaculate of, uh, Conception, Um, and actually was born in Italy, but um, was in um, religious um, practice. Her services were in Buenos Aires. Um, So she revives it in the 1940s. This is the now fourth instance of it. The fifth instance, which I don't want to spend a lot of time on, but we'll talk just briefly because we will go into much more detail about it, um, is by a gentleman in Montreal who today... Heads up the Association of the Holy Face. Gordon Deary uh, will say something about Gordon and his life and what brought him to this devotion. Uh, He now has a ministry and a worldwide ministry of spreading the devotion to the Holy Face. So we're talking about a devotion that has been revived in the church, initiated, if you will, with Veronica, and then revived five times. So I think it's a devotion we probably ought to spend some time talking about.
1: Absolutely. In fact, there was one story about it. Was it Pope Pius IX when he was exiled from uh, the Holy City Mm -hmm. that they were uh, displaying this holy image of the Holy Face, Mm -hmm. uh, Veronica's veil, and it all of a sudden took on a a, a true appearance and kind of uh, light emanating from it. And the features were much more distinct. And the people who were guarding the image as people were visiting were all alarmed. And they rang the bells and all the people came. And, you know, it was another sign of, you know, God's favoring this devotion.
0: Yeah. In fact, many of the popes have had um, something to say about the devotion to the Holy Face. Uh Pius the ninth, Pious the Eleventh, uh, Pius the Twelfth, uh, and most recently, John Paul II. and and,
1: uh, and you know, when we're away from people, isn't that what we want to see? We want to see their face. We long to see their face.
0: Mm-hmm. That's right. And that's what, um, uh, Therese talked about, of course, and and also uh, Mother Perina talked about uh, with the revival of the devotion in the 1940s. But something else occurred, and we'll talk about this in some detail. This is just sort of filling out the story, the historical narrative, if you will, around the devotion of the Holy Face. Before we get to some of the specifics on the promises associated with it, Francis, and uh, its its defense against blasphemy within the Church, and that is the a picture of the shroud um, once the picture once photography had been applied to the shroud and we had the negative in effect uh, of the shroud the positive image that came as a result of the picture which many believe of course with with considerable scientific evidence um, to have been in fact the burial cloth of christ um, the image itself reveals a great deal to us uh, about not only the experience of the crucifixion and and um the um, uh, experience that Christ may have had in the resurrection but there are images embedded in the actual image of the face that are revealing in and of themselves about the significance of this devotion. That
1: is so like, you know, the divine, because, you know, I just did this humongous study on Our Lady of Guadalupe and mm-hmm. that divine image and all the things that are imprinted in that image on that tilma. So when we think about the shroud and all the things, you know, for those people who study the shroud, all the things that are, are coming out about what they're learning there, it's just incredible.
0: Well, and we'll point some of those things out as much, I think, and hope. Uh, to encourage people to seek out this devotion, i 'll reveal our not so hidden agenda, Francis, and that is we want to encourage people uh, to look into this devotion first of all, to spend some time reading it uh, about it and, and gain some appreciation both for its continued reinstitution in the church. Uh, there are novenas associated with the uh, the devotion, of course, the image of the holy face, which is the shroud now, the image of the shroud there 's also a medal. Uh, That is available, which great uh, blessings and graces have been associated with. Uh, So we want to encourage our listeners to look into this devotion. Certainly, we would never suggest that it's the only devotion or the most important devotion, uh, but there is evidence, ample evidence. Uh, by its continued reinstitution, that the Lord may want us to be looking seriously at this particular devotion today. And it goes right back, Francis, to where I left you a few moments ago, and that is this issue of blasphemy, this issue of attacks on the Church. And can anybody deny that the Church—and I'm speaking the Catholic Church now— uh certainly the church universal the the christian churches uh this is true as well but the catholic church is under great attack right now there, there's a little question about that Absolutely. Uh, in this country and in other countries uh priests are are um, suffering uh, greatly catholic uh lay people are suffering greatly we know the holy father is suffering greatly uh and our bishops who we need to pray for uh regardless of uh uh, some of the challenges they may face, in fact, very, for that very reason. We need to be praying for our priests and our bishops every day. Commit time Absolutely. every day to pray for our priests and our bishops. And one of the great devotions I think the Lord has given us in this time to fight Some of these attacks is devotion to his holy face. Right,
1: offering the holy face of Jesus for our priest.
0: So let's talk about that. Let's go to, um, this is 113, and again, the text you're going to read from, Francis?
1: Yes, this is, um, in that book, The Golden Arrow. And, um, what happens is that she has a, uh, supernatural communication where the Lord makes her see the frightful wound that occurs. Um, by blasphemy, how by blasphemy, the sinner curses God to his face, attacks him publicly, nullifies his redemption and pronounces his own judgment and condemnation. Our Lord then makes her realize that visualize this act of blasphemy as a poisoned arrow that continually wounds his divine heart. And then thus, that's where this prayer in reparation is. Um, gets the name the golden arrow in reparation for this poisonous arrow of blasphemy.
0: Yeah, and it's to make uh, a reparation uh, for that very sin, uh, the danger of that sin. Of course, the golden arrow, we'll later discover, is what pierces our Lord's heart, right? And it wounds gently, but uh, nonetheless wounds, uh, much like the arrow of love that uh, both Teresa and Therese talked to us about. Uh, But here it is done in reparation. Now we know, we've talked about this many times uh, in in this um, uh, conversation, this community of conversation, about how the Lord is both representative of the human person and the body of the church. And the Lord's face as the head of the church, Christ as the head of the church, sustained these wounds and bruises. And as I say, the, the, the spittle and, and the dripping of blood uh, on his features is exactly the same as the manifestation of the church is incurring the blasphemy throughout the historical events that we've talked about. Uh, and also, unfortunately, in our modern uh, era, in modern times, there are many who are attacking the church, uh, and there are some who are, frankly, guilty of the sin of blasphemy. And let's talk about that just a little bit. I have a quote from Catholic uh, Encyclopedia, uh, because I want us to be grounded in fact and in good catechesis, Blasphemy, it says, is a sin against the virtue of religion by which we render to God the honor due him as our first beginning and our last sin. It's the failure to do that. St. Thomas says, St. Thomas Aquinas says that it is to be regarded as a sin against faith in as much as by it we attribute to God that which does not belong to him or deny him that which does belong to him. And Thomas goes on to say it is clear That blasphemy, which is a sin committed directly against God, is more grave than murder. It's a sin against one's, which is only a sin against one's neighbor. It is called the most grievous sin, that is blasphemy, for as much as it makes every sin more grievous. Well, so we're talking about very serious sin here, Francis. We're talking about affronts against the church uh, and, by consequence, against the face of Christ uh, that rise, as St. Thomas says, to uh, the highest order of grievous sin. This is not something to be taken lightly, and this is why the Lord instituted uh, in in the uh, early 1800s this uh, devotion uh, for us to have a weapon uh, to combat uh, what at that time, and again in the uh, time of Therese, and again in the 1940s, and uh, unfortunately again today, um, the the attacks against the church.
1: You're absolutely right.
0: Well, let's talk just briefly. We said uh, we would give just a brief biographical sketch of St. Mary uh sister mary of st peter she was born as we said before in reims france in about 1804 uh, at uh, i'm sorry 4 october 1804
1: yes 4 yeah. october do yeah. do you listeners know what happened on that day let's leave that as a
0: question <laughs> we'll see if any of our listeners know i'll give
1: you a hint it's very personal to me <laughs>
0: <laughs> what's significant about the 4th of october and uh, not the year but of course just the date um 4 october um And her early life, uh, that is, Sister Mary of St. Peter's early life, was marked. As so many saints' early life uh, is true, Francis, they're marked by uh, poor health, by pain, by suffering, by poverty. Uh, And It's interesting how so many of God's instruments uh, find this. St. Therese, of course, with illness and the loss of her mother. St. John of the Cross, uh, poverty and the loss of his father. Therese, the loss of her mother. Uh, Blessed Elizabeth, the loss of her father. Uh, and all of these marked by uh, a trial after trial, and in, in the early stages of their life.
1: Yeah, here, here, is Sister Mary of Saint Peter, she had her own face burned um, by a child of her wet nurse. Mm-hmm. So, like Therese, she had a wet nurse, and uh, she's only a month old. And the and the child wants to take the baby, S- Sister Mary, over to warm the baby up, and she drops the baby into the fire. Mm-hmm. Baby's face is burned, you know, and so...
0: This is Sister Mary. Yeah, this is Sister
1: Mary, whose face is burned at that early age, at only a month old. And then she's only four four years old, and she has scarlet fever, Mm -hmm. another big ghastly uh, experience. Um,
0: It's interesting how the Lord sometimes, and don't, uh, 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 for our listeners especially, don't read too much into this, but it is interesting how on occasion uh, the Lord seems... Uh, to mark us, if you will, for our ministry. <laughs> now that sounds very uh, <laughs> challenging in light of what we've just read, a poor baby who's you know scarred for life on her face, but yet it, it somehow marked her for this particular ministry, and it's interesting how oh, sometimes yes. the Lord does that. Yeah. We need to look sometimes at what we contend are our most challenging uh, um, trials and experiences in life and try to find the ministry in that. Try to find your way through to the ministry in that most difficult experience in your life. I don't want to suggest that it's always that way and that we can guarantee that it's that way. But uh, certainly we know that the most significant trials in our life are oftentimes the avenue to the greatest graces in our life. And that certainly appeared to be the case for Sister Mary of St. Peter. I'm
1: so glad you brought that out. I hadn't thought about that.
0: Well, she's, she's um, early on in life, she learns a lesson by helping a blind man across the street.
1: Right. She has this issue of pride. Like, she is too good to be helping this crotchety old guy across the street. And her parents are encouraging her. They're not making her, but they're encouraging her, and she doesn't want to do it. And finally, she says, okay... I'll do it. And so she, you know, violence to herself. She decides I'm going to take him across the street. And she felt so heroic and so wonderful after that event that she soon soon now learns the benefit of taking the correction of her parents and the guidance of her parents. And she then accepts all this as atonement for her sins. And, you know, here, she's very young and she's like at six and a half, she's already going to confession and, already has this mature outlook from all these experiences. And, of course, she's being brought up by very uh, devout parents here. Um, But it's interesting that she realizes her uh, own issues, her own failures, her own sin, and how she early on uh, has learned to conquer them.
0: It's a very good lesson and one that we all um, should uh, take to heart. You know, the simple reality is, and this I'll say without reservation, the simple reality is the Lord's going to introduce us into this experience uh, of uh, challenges early on in our life and having to begin to look at our pridefulness and our lack of obedience and our unwillingness to allow our will to be directed. These are the events of the human experience. And the earlier we come to grips with that, I think oftentimes the easier, uh, for so many of us who wait till later in life to begin to wrestle with those things, it can sometimes be more difficult.
1: But that's why St. That Teresa gave us that prayer, redeeming our lost time. Yes, so <laughs> thank you, Teresa. <laughs>
0: and the Council for Humility. Well, we're going to pick up on all these topics when we come back again. We're doing a series on the devotion to the Holy Face. You're listening to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home.
2: May the Lord of sea and sky, I have heard my people cry. All who dwell in dark and sin, my hand will say. I who Stars of night, I will make their darkness bright. Who will bear my light to them? Whom shall I send? the poor and lame, I will set a feast for them, my hand will say finest bread I will provide, till their hearts be satisfied, I will i uh-huh.
0: Well, welcome back to Carmelite Conversations.
2: Mark? Yes?
1: You
3: have Marika from Dayton on the line.
0: Well, hi, Marika. How are you?
3: I'm doing well. How are you?
0: Great. Uh, Do you have an answer to our question, or did you have something
3: to say about the devotion of the home Face? Well, actually, to both parts.
2: Okay. Um, The answer
3: to the question, um, what is the significance of October 4th? That is the Memorial of St. Francis of Assisi. (laughs)
1: <laughs> that's right, but there's something more. Do you know the rest of it?
3: No, I don't know that part.
1: <laughs> okay, well, well, you 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 did the part of the namesake that I particularly like,
3: since I'm named after Saint Francis.
0: It, it is the Feast of Saint Francis. Yes. that's true.
3: But uh, I, one do, of the, but was I particularly have a devotion to the Holy Face, and I have for quite a number of years, and it came out of a, um, a participation in the Passion Play. Um, it was a living passion play, and I played the part of Veronica. and That was a very oh. powerful, moving experience that led me into that devotion.
1: Oh, my goodness. So what, what particularly in that experience can you share a little bit?
3: Um, well, it was the first year I was Mary of Clofus, but then Father, the, the, the priest who had written the play, um, the lady who was playing Veronica, he said, I'm going to move you into that part. So I played Veronica for like three consecutive years after that. And it was the way that he wrote her lines. Um, You know, I always thought of Veronica as very quiet and just kind of, um, just through actions, just doing that gesture to Jesus um, of love by just wiping his face. But he gave her some very bold lines and, you know, yelling at the soldiers (laughs) and just being very um, defensive of our Lord publicly. And um, that was kind of a new twist for me. Um, but somebody gave me a picture of the face of Jesus, and I started to pray in front of that face in my 3 o'clock holy hours. And I'll tell you, that was a very powerful experience, and it just took me to places that I never thought of before. Um, the mm. Lord just does incredible things when you start praying in front of His image. Um,
0: and I can how, just how,
3: encourage people to just do that.
0: Yeah, how long have you had this uh, devotion?
3: Since... 1995
0: wow so this has been some time now you've obviously become quite uh, experienced at it um you know in our in our discussions francis and in our reading and research uh, we've talked about particular aspects of the devotion. Clearly, as Marika shares, um, it's simply meditating on the features of the face. And I'm most especially now talking about the image in the shroud, the picture of the shroud. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are other images that are equally good. In fact, St. Therese's was slightly different. But uh, also, Marika, the, the prayers that you talk about and this idea of making reparation, Uh, So important, the Golden Arrow Prayer, of course, that was given to Sister Mary of St. Peter. Uh, There are a series of other devotions, including a novena. Uh, Are there any other particular uh, aspects of your devotion uh, as it relates to the Holy Face?
3: Well, I always, because I like to do it in the 3 o'clock hour and, you know, invoke the Lord's mercy with the Chaplet of Divine Mercy. And then... Mm -hmm. um, St. Bridget has always been one of my favorites, Her um, the 15 prayers of St. Bridget, which yes. um, I found really um, a wonderful way to get into the, the passion of our Lord. So um, I just, you know, used those as a springboard um, in the beginning, and now it's just gone into different things. I mean, the Lord just leads you into different things. Um, but to be open yeah, it, to when He wants to change it, that's that's one of the things th- I was, that's with That's the important thing. You, you get yes, so exactly. used to it. It, it's your comfort right, zone, and I, you don't, you don't want to leap into the unknown. But we have to, because that's the challenge.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, that's the important aspect, is letting the Lord lead you. You know, I think so often... <laughs> Um, all the great saints have said, meditate on the passion, meditate on yes. the passion. Of course, we just had, um, the passion last week, uh, uh, you know, read to us and revealed in, in so many wonderful ways in the liturgy. Uh, but if we want to come into that intimate experience with our Lord and Savior, we have to understand what he did for us. Uh, we have to acknowledge his humanness, right, his, exactly. his having genuinely suffered this, as well as his divinity. But in growing um, in relationship with anybody, and most especially, I think this is true of our Lord, meditating on the actual experience and feeling compassion, uh, feeling remorse, feeling a sense of Um, um, humiliation for what he had to suffer. All of those things are are very human and they lead us into that human experience. But I think, Marika, your point is that if we open ourselves to that, then the Lord draws us into something that's even more mystical than that. It is beyond what we would attribute to simple human uh, compassion or sympathy. right? Yeah, and it
3: it draws you beyond words because there's just... Sometimes, you know, when you're going through the experience and, and you're, you're getting an insight into something, you know, um, I was reading the, uh, the Liturgy of the Hours the other day. I forget which day of the <laughs> Triduum it was, but it had to do with, you know, why it was the, from the office, the second reading of the office, on Jesus descended into hell, and how the Passion undid all of the things that happened in the Garden. Um, I don't know if, if either of you have read that, that one um, during yes. the whole and and i just i just really just reflected on that and i thought wow because i had heard somebody comment why did jesus have to do it this way and i'm like you know but it mm. makes perfect sense because it parallels everything that happened originally in paradise you know in the in the exactly. garden with adam and eve so it makes perfect right. sense you know after reading that huh.
1: And getting back to this October 4th date of Sister Mary's birth being the feast of Saint Francis of Assisi, we also know in the Catholic world that uh, Saint Francis of Assisi is, is attributed to be one of the, if, if not the first, one of the first, um, who had this stigmata, who suffered the passion of the Lord. So the interesting uh, connection here that, uh, Sister Mary is going to continue now, uh, in that reflection on the Passion, but in particularly on the Holy Face.
0: I, I know Francis uh, Marika is chomping at the bit to tell us what the other significance <laughs> is to 4 October, so I'm going to okay. let her go ahead uh, and do Okay. That.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, here it is. Um, it is the anniversary of the death of St. Teresa of Jesus, St. Teresa right. of Avila. Yeah. Now, we're sitting there, okay, wait a minute, October 4th? No, her feast day is October the 15th, so how could it be October 4th? Well, because during Teresa's time, they did that switch of the calendar, and so even though it was October 4th on one calendar, when the calendar was switched, it, it, they put it on October 15th. So there's right. a there's a connection with St. Teresa of Avila here. <laughs>
0: yeah, very significant, in fact, her passing, her own, uh, uh, you know, sort of passion, if you will, because the last many hours of her own life were not particularly easy either. So, uh, well, Marika, thank you for uh, joining our conversation and sharing oh, your thoughts. Pleasure. We very much appreciate I it.
3: I really enjoy your program.
0: <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you very much.
3: You, guys have a you in the car, evening. though, because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you had the, the first
1: part of it, so thank you. Okay, well, you guys I,
0: have I a would. blessed
3: evening. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Marika. I, I want to get to something we sort of skip past, Francis. You pointed it out to me on the break, and that is the uh, the promises that are um, associated with this uh, particular devotion. And this is in part, again, uh, playing to our agenda of uh, an effort to encourage people to look into this A very powerful devotion, but also because I think we have to understand that when the lord attributes a particular graces with a particular devotion uh, this is the lord's promise now if we accept that uh, sister mary saint peter uh, therese of course who had her own devotion uh, sister barina who you've mentioned in the 1940s and and then more recently we'll talk about later some of the experiences of the gentleman in montreal who runs the association Uh, i want to get to the promises let me just quickly read the address for the Holy Face Association in the United States and then we'll we'll uh, jump into the promises it is uh, PO box 821 Champlain New York that's C H A M P L A I N Champlain New York 12919 dash 0821. Now, you can also find them online at uh, www.holyface.com. That's perhaps the easiest way, and of course their contact information will be on the website as well. If you have uh, internet and uh, and so forth, you can obviously get them online. Uh, but I really encourage you to look into this organization. They, as I say, have... A number of um, uh, sources of literature and uh, cards and the medals are available. We'll talk about the medal here in a little bit, Francis, that was introduced in the 1940s. Uh, but I want to get to the promises. So read us the promises.
1: Well, I just want to preface it by saying how important it is when a person is having these visions, uh, locutions, words from the Lord, how important it is to get confirmation that it is truly of the Lord and not your own imagination or not um, from the devil. And so having these promises is another way of the Lord confirming his hand because when you see the result of the promise, you know the fruit um, is good, and, and good fruit comes from a good tree. So there are eight promises here. So I'll start with the first one. All those who honor my face in a spirit of reparation will, by so doing, perform the office of the pious Veronica. According to the care they take in making reparation to my face, disfigured by blasphemers, So will I take care of their souls, which have been disfigured by sin. My face is the seal of the divinity, which has the virtue of reproducing in souls the image of God. I really like that part. The second promise. Those who by words, prayers, or writing defend my cause in this work of reparation, I will defend before my father and will give them my kingdom. The third promise. By offering my face to my eternal father, nothing will be refused and the conversion of many sinners will be obtained.
0: And yeah, the importance there in the last two, actually, of the, our work of reparation uh, leading to the redemption of others. This is so important. In fact, in one of the revelations that the Lord uh, uh, speaks to, where he speaks to Sister Mary, he talks about showing her, in fact, this interior vision of souls falling into hell. So this devotion, though there are many graces and many blessings to the individual practitioner, we shouldn't think that this is limited to that. This gives us that opportunity, as we've said so many times, to participate in the redemptive mission of Christ by helping to uh, do penance and helping to make reparation to uh uh, the lord and to his face and his features for what is occurring in the church at the times that this has been reinstituted and it's very active now in the church which tells us there's great need for it in the church
1: absolutely the fourth promise is by my holy face they will work wonders appease the anger of god and draw down mercy on sinners The fifth promise, as in a kingdom, they can procure all that is desired with a coin stamped with the king's effigy. So in the kingdom of heaven, they will obtain all they desire with the precious coin of my holy face. I particularly uh, like that one because I remember Therese talking about this coin of the holy face and offering this coin to heaven. The sixth promise, those who on earth contemplate the wounds of my face shall in heaven behold it radiant with glory. The seventh promise, they will receive in their souls a bright and constant irradiation of my divinity, that by their likeness to my face they shall shine with particular splendor in heaven. And finally, and I think very importantly, I will defend them. I will preserve them. And I assure them of final perseverance.
0: Well, and I want to go back to Marika's comments because I think this is important. Certainly, there are some wonderful uh, promises there and wonderful blessings that come as a result of the devotion to the Holy Face. The first thing, though, that maybe some of our listeners might be asking is, I don't understand what is meant by a particular uh, promise or this illumination of the soul and so forth. And my counsel would be, begin to study the devotion to the Holy Face. If there is literature available in one of your uh, local Catholic bookstores, or certainly there's a wealth of it online, uh, begin to get some of this literature. But most especially, begin to pray. Begin to pray to the Lord to reveal to you what is it, Lord, that you want me to find in the features of your face as revealed, uh, as I say, most especially, I think, in the image of the shroud in our modern uh, era. This is what we talk about when we talk about the face of Christ.
1: And also the sedarium, right? <coughs> or sidarium, um, which would be uh, like the image of the veil of Veronica. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I, I think. Uh, any of the images, and there are some that are more prominent than others uh, that uh, you can find in the literature, any of those that really fundamentally reveal what our Lord and Savior suffered for us, the sacrifice that he made, his love, that's what we're seeing in that image, yes. is his love poured out for us. And, you know, we talk about these things as though they're intellectual, uh, uh, you know, exchanges, and that's as much as they become, unfortunately, many times. We have to enter into prayer to really appreciate this, to really enter into this devotion. You have to enter into prayer. I read today in in preparation for this evening's conversation, Francis, that if we are looking at something intently long enough, that object begins to look back at us. And, of course, the Lord's face is not an object. It is the Lord. And so that very image of his uh, love expressed in all that he suffered and all that he took on begins to reveal itself to us and he begins to look inside our soul and he begins to help us with that difficulty that i said earlier we all face of having to come to grips with who we are and who we are before the lord and then beginning to move in his direction and these somewhat uh, uh glorious uh, uh, blessings, these promises, will begin to reveal themselves to the individual, I think, if we take the time to reflect on the Lord's uh, features, his face as manifested in this image of the Holy Face.
1: And it's as simple as just getting a picture or picturing it in your mind and looking at him. Do you remember St. Teresa of Jesus um, was one who said, you know, it's not talking much, it's looking, you know, just look at him and listen to him, uh, love him. So it, this is to lead you to a deeper love. So if your prayer is all intellectual and it's not leading to love, then we're missing the purpose of the prayer. The purpose of the prayer is to lead you to love, which will lead you to change to be Christ-like in your life.
0: We well, you know before we go, I, I knew we had discussed talking about. Um, the prayer method that the Lord revealed to Sister Mary. This is found on pages 91 through 93, Francis, in the text that you have. But before you do that, go to page 50. Uh, and for those of you who may have the text, you can go along with this. or uh, again, we'll just encourage you to try to find a copy of a book entitled The Golden Arrow. Uh, and on page 50, it talks about uh, Sister Mary of St. Peter's introduction into the mission that the lord was going to give her at a very early age do you see that section right Francis?
1: it says one day after receiving holy communion so this is a very special time all of us should really be thinking about how special that time is after receiving holy communion our lord manifest himself to sister mary of saint peter she says it seemed to me that he was accompanied by an angel. I was then shown a multitude of souls who were falling into hell. Our Lord then said to me that he desired that I offer myself entirely to him to endure everything he might send me for the accomplishment of his designs. Furthermore, he wanted me to resign whatever merits I might acquire in my new career to him for the same purpose that his designs might be fulfilled." At the same time, he made me comprehend that he himself would look after my interests, that he would allow me to share his merits, and that he would himself become the director of my soul. And she often offers everything up in union with Jesus, all the prayers through Jesus, through this holy face, through his sacred heart. And when you get the book, there are so many exercises of how she does this.
0: Well, and let's go into some of that methodology. We have about oh, five minutes or so. I want to go into the methodology of prayer and ask you to read through some of the sections, Francis, because it's important. You know, so often we're told, well, you know, try this devotion. Uh, try this particular prayer method. And we were, um, you know, hesitant or or, or light on um, on guidance with regard to that. But she was given fairly a clear direction from the Lord on how to begin this prayer method. And she wrote about that. And so I'd like to spend a few minutes talking about that.
1: Well, let me say that in the Carmelite tradition, even in her time, there were um, ascribed seven steps. The first being the preparation. The second, the reading. The third was the meditation with a loving conversation or an intimate conversation with the Lord. The fourth was Thanksgiving. The fifth was the offering. And the sixth or the seventh, excuse me, I'm off track here was the petition so um, this is how she does it first of all she remotely prepares for prayer meaning before she gets into the actual time of prayer you know she's living this life of prayer she just tries to keep her her sight on the lord and she does this by keeping the lord company throughout the day she looks at herself as the house servant of Of the Holy Lord. And there's also a section in the book where she says she asked to be the donkey of the child Jesus. So I thought that was an interesting image to be thinking of. But she proceeds then each day to attend to three special duties of any servant. And that is first, to be ever near the Master. Second, to execute all his orders, and third, to look after his interest. I thought that was very interesting. And then she accompanies the Lord by meditating on the mysteries of his life, and then she offers herself as a sacrifice to the Eternal Father on the altar of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, begging him to unite her to his divine son.
0: Well, you bring up the Sacred Heart and I just wanted to uh, uh, bring up this one point. At one point the Lord says, uh, and I apologize, I don't remember if it's to Sister Mary or Sister Perina, but he says that some will resist this devotion because they'll think they're minimizing their devotion to my Sacred Heart. He says in fact they're fulfilling it. Yes. This is in fact the fulfillment of their devotion to my Sacred Heart. I, I wanted to make one other point. Well, two other quick points. Uh, Mother Teresa, our Mother Teresa of Avila, you know, uh, St. Teresa of Avila was uh, famed for always carrying a picture of Jesus about with her, wasn't she? Or That's a something. statue. Yeah, something yes. she was always devoted to. Uh, and the other point is this idea of keeping our mind focused on Christ. We've Keep talked your about eyes this on so many times in this yes. series of conversations. This remote preparation means minimizing what we distract our minds with throughout the day, and you can work to minimize something, but you'll inevitably focus on the effort to minimize. Better that you turn it to the positive and say, no, if I focus on something, then I won't have to worry about what I'm not focusing on. Focus on the image of Christ. Focus on the face of Christ. I encourage our listeners, find a an image of this shroud. They're available. They're easy to come by. The Holy Association, Holy Face Association has them as well. Any of your good uh, Catholic bookstores will have them. And I encourage our listeners get a picture. And carry it around with you in your pocket And, and then not it
1: in your home.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Have it in your home so that you're seeing it constantly. I've got a picture now, for instance, of the image that's sitting between the two of us on the, the desk here. I have it in my, my shirt pocket every day. I have it in my vehicle that I drive to work in. I have it in my uh, bedroom. It sits over my head at night uh, as I sleep. So I've placed that image in many places throughout my life so that I'm constantly seeing it. And it's a trick if you will but it's 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 an effective trick and trigger point focus yeah you
1: know. a trigger to to talk to jesus because yeah. you know that's the thing is have a conversation with him and so that's what she's trying to do throughout her day and unite her actions to him and so at the beginning of her actual time of prayer she makes uh of course the sign of the cross and then examination of conscience and she humbles herself and then she begs god to purify her soul and then this is the method of prayer which the lord gave her one day it It was very simple. It's empty, purify, and fill. Empty your soul by recollection, bringing your uh, faculties, your your mind, your heart, your uh, physicalness all into silence within. Purify it by an act of contrition, then fill it with God. And then in this time, she just would feel herself interiorly carried away desiring this union with Christ and I think she really entered into a very uh high degree of of true contemplative prayer um but she would be pondering you know the great sacrifice of Jesus um she would see herself clothed with the Lord enriched by his merits and then she would ask for graces for the church and for um all these souls and she offered the face, of course, to the Father, the face of Jesus to the Father. And so she, she goes on uh, talking about this contemplative prayer. And then at the end, she hurries up just like we are. <laughs> she says, I'm coming to the end of my hour. Uh, she's made the uh, act with her will and her affections. But then she's got to briefly, quickly make her act of thanksgiving and resolution to stay with the Lord and accept whatever the Lord gives her.
0: Well, we're going to continue in our discussion about the Holy Face in subsequent weeks. We likely will not be available next week, uh, but we will be picking it up the week after that. And, Francis, I'm going to ask you to close us out in a brief prayer uh, in devotion to the Holy Face.
1: In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Eternal Father, we offer you the Holy Face of Jesus, covered with blood, sweat, dust, and spittle, in reparation for the crimes of communists, blasphemers, and for the profaners of the Holy Name and of the Holy Day.
0: Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to Carmelite Conversations on Radio Maria a Christian voice in your home.